Welcome, friends, to Crazy Women Country, where women's voices matter. We bring you the latest and greatest female voices in the industry, from artists and songwriters to producers and managers and all women in between. Welcome, friends, to Crazy Women Country. Today we have a special guest. I'm Donna. I'm Paula, and today we have Cindy Empty on the show. Hello. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. I love that we're in a million different time zones, all having a nice chat. Oh, yes. Yeah, we like to make it interesting. <laughs> so, um, so tell us about your new album. Oh, sure. I'm super happy about the, um, you know, right when all of the pandemic hit, I thought it would be a great time to release an album. <laughs> and um, my band, Secret Empty Society, released our new record, The Chaser, which is a combination, like the tagline that I thought of when me and the producer were starting to work on it was if David Lynch and Ennio Morricone met in a Wild West ghost town, uh, you know, to, to sit over a campfire and tell stories and sing songs. So it's a... It's got a lot of old Bakersfield influences and um, has been really well received in the press and people seem to really love it. It's got a lot of, you know, drinking songs and barnstormers to dance around to and then a couple of, you know, sweet ballads to, to warm your heart. So, uh, yeah, so our new album is called The Chaser and it's about chasing your dreams, chasing down your friends, trying to support each other and... Um, just about running after and trying to really grab life and live it to its full extent. So that's our that's our new little country record, and people seem to be digging it. Um, we got named on a couple of best of the year lists already for the first half of the year back in June. So let's we'll see what happens at the end of the year. Woo! Wonderful. Fantastic, fantastic. I must admit, I sat listening to it today, and I really, really loved it. But I oh. thought it had sort of a feel of... Um, you know, like uh, Irish folksy sort of music. You've got that kind of feel in the background as well. And it was, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was very different to what I was expecting, especially after hearing some of the music you play on Give Me Country. Mm, yeah. Um, so some of that is, <clears throat> is is very, very different. And when this came on, I was like, wow, it's absolutely really amazing. And I really, really loved the album. Absolutely loved it. So Thank you so yeah. much. I'm so curious as to what you were expecting. Because, I mean, some of the music you played on the show, um, I don't know, is, is kind of a heavier sort of country. And I thought you might have gone maybe that way. It might have been sort of uh, more that sort of feel. But this was like old-style country that, you know, you can get up, you can dance to, real toe-tapping stuff. So I was like, you know, <laughs> this, is this is really, really good. So I was like... Yeah, be impressed. Be impressed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I've honed, the way I tend to write albums is I write when I'm on the road and when I'm touring and when I get inspired by different moments uh, in bars or with fans or just kind of out in the world with the band itself. And, you know, I always, because of that, I feel like a lot of the songs end up being, having a much more kind of old country feel where they are really like meant to be danced to and sort of enjoyed by people. And I I am pretty cerebral in my head when I'm writing them, but like when they get kind of woodshedded around at different bars and things, I really make sure that they kind of stay like having that really, I mean, old country is my favorite kind of country, so I kind of can't help but be influenced by it. Hmm. 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 
I have to say, I love the fact that it's, you know, there are some artists that produce records and they never sound like their records. And that's the one thing that I love about you because I've, I've seen some in-person stuff. Now, not obviously in person, just online. But, you know, it's so great to see someone that can, you know, it's them. It's not just something that they just put together, produced, and, and really to go to the extreme, you know. Yeah. I love that raw Thank you. Yeah, it's it's funny, right? Because now that we can't really play live, I've been doing a lot of live streams, and I'm doing it without the band because the I also can't be near the band, right? Because we're all social distancing from each other too, and we just haven't kind of worked that out in the yard or anything yet. <laughs> and um, so a lot of the the live performances are ending up sounding like they still sound very much like the record because the way the songs were written was me and an acoustic guitar, and then we brought other people in. And so now it's just like stripping it back to sounding like the demos that I'd made for the producer when we were going to get started last time. So it's just, it's, it's a, I'm glad that I can represent the songs as they are on the record with just me and a guitar. Cause that would feel pretty crappy if I was like, well, I can't play with the band. So no shows for me like that, that just wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't work in my brain at all. It'd be so hard to not be playing at all. It must be it must be really hard being an artist and not being able to do what you love. Um, yeah, it must be uh, very very difficult. Yeah, I mean it's um it's really wonderful that my friend Carolyn Mark hosts a weekly Hoot Nanny on uh, Facebook Live and YouTube every Sunday at 4:20 p.m. and I play <laughs> almost every week um, with that. And that gets to feel like a little bit of, you know, because we have like a Zoom backstage and, you know, we're like we're chatting with each other while other people are playing. And so it feels a little bit like, you know, a quote unquote real show. And, you know, after I perform, I usually go look at the Facebook comments and interact with people to get that vibe. But just a couple of days ago, I got asked to do this annual show that I do every year at this great bar up in Doyle, California called The Buck Inn. And it's north of Reno, and it's this place where when, like, Johnny Cash and Patsy Cline would play in Reno, they would go hang out at this bar so they wouldn't have to worry about, like, you know, getting kind of inundated with, you know, like, bands and stuff. It would just be, like, the local desert rat barflies. <laughs> and I tend to play there every year for the owner's birthday, and he just sent me the text of, like, the bar's reopened. You know, it's my 60th birthday. Will you come play it? And I had to say no because I'm just, I, the the venue itself doesn't really have the right protocols for social distancing for a band, especially since we would probably be up until 8 a.m. drinking, and then I know social protocols would go out the window. <laughs> so uh, I just I had to say no, and I was so sad about it because I look forward to that gig every year. I actually wrote a song about it on the record which was dance like the world is ending because of like how joyful and wonderful it would, it was and is to go up there to Doyle and, you know, just be all night with music and friends and fans and just like playing. It's wonderful. And I miss it. So yeah, it's hard. Mm. It must be. So obviously during the pandemic, we haven't, you haven't learned to perform live. So what else have you learned? to do differently during obviously the pandemic to be able to interact with fans to be able to sort of still get your music out there mm -hmm. well a few things that have been interesting is there's been a different sort of call for merch which i wasn't expecting i um like i started screen printing my own merch because a then i can use metallic fabrics and, and paint and make it look cool 
but also I can kind of accommodate more sizes that way without having to buy 20 of one size that might only, you know, sell five in a year. Like, I've sold some four X's with the last album release, and I'm super happy to be able to be flexible like that. If I was only buying from like a mass producer, I couldn't afford that because it's yeah. too like you have to buy minimum quantities. So I had a friend, and I started making you know headband like a handkerchief headbands a long time ago, just because I like to wear them on tour, especially. And I was like, well, I'll make something that if no one buys it, I'll just keep wearing. <laughs> and um, Right, like right when um, everyone started masking up, I had a number of friends who were like, "I want one to like wear as a mask." And so, I ended up having this crazy, like it was a wonderful interactive uh, moment with fans for a while, like on social media, where people were like, "Oh, you're making." And it was before there were a lot of custom ones out there, so people were just in like the medical grade masks, and they were like, "No, we can you?" So I like had this, I had like screen printing craziness downstairs in my house. And I was just like, okay, more bandanas. <laughs> like, I know I wasn't expecting it, but it was also really cool because I asked people who bought them to send me pictures of them in use just so I could see it. And it was really, it was a really nice way to like interact with the fans and see all the stuff. And then I, I also did a thing where for every two masks that sold at full price, like anybody who couldn't afford one that wanted one would get one. And oh. so. I made it, because I, I want it, it's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not rich by any means, you know, and most things don't break even, which is why day jobs exist, but I wanted to make sure that if there were people that actually want, wanted a, a bandana, like, to use as a mask for me when all this craziness is going on, I'm not going to say no, I'm going to figure out how to do it, so um, as soon as I kind of made that public, then a number of people were, would buy masks and pay twice what they were what they cost so that I could help fund the kind of free bandana thing. So that was really nice. That was a really, um, it, it was good for my heart when everything in the world seemed like it was falling apart to be able to do a nice thing like that. Yeah. So that was, that was cool. Perfect. It's amazing. It's, it's good to see how people can pull together when, you know, um, when it's needed. You know, because obviously yeah. during the pandemic, people have lost a lot of money, jobs and all sorts. So it's good to see that there's, you know, still people out there who will pay a bit more to help somebody else. So, yeah. Know. I mean, I feel like I've been really lucky. The, the main thing I've seen in my own community of friends and fans has been people coming together, regardless of political backgrounds. That's obviously not what I've seen in the world, but like in the in the microcosm of people that I end up interacting with because of the music and because of who I know, it's really been a coming together moment. So that's warming to my heart, even though I see a lot of stuff that's not bad. So that's less warming, you know. Yeah, yeah. We we need to hear the good stories because obviously there's so much. I don't know. You you look at Facebook and it's all bad. So it's good to be able to hear that some good things are happening and people are still putting together and you know we're still helping each other out no matter you know no matter what who we are what we are you know or anything like that. So yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. So let me ask you a question. Um, some who are some of your inspirations, your heroes that you grew up wanting to be and that you just were. This is my favorite Shiro, you know. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> there have been so many. <laughs> I would say, you know, musically, I um, I got obsessed with um, 
like three people when I was younger, and it was like Dinah Washington and Dolly Parton, and um, what's the third one? Mildred Bailey, who's an old older blues singer, and I just loved like the width and breadth of the styles they sang and like how beautiful they could make music. And, you know, I, um, I came from a household that was mainly like mainly listened to the oldie station. Like my dad was really into the the beach boys and the oldie station. And that was kind of all there was in terms of family influence. And so, I mean, he liked Johnny Cash too, but where I grew up, it was funny because country music was so, just a part of the culture where I lived in uh, in Michigan that I didn't actually know that Willie Nelson and Crystal Gale and Dolly Parton were country until I moved to California. I just thought it was pop music because that's just what was always playing. Like you'd hear Madonna and then you'd hear Willie Nelson on the same station and it would be really normal. So I had no idea that it was different, which feels really clueless now when I say it. But, <laughs> um, that's just kind of how it was. But um I always felt like I loved listening to female artists that had unusual voices, like um, like deeper voices or voices that were kind of unapologetically strong. Like I know there was a, a big trend in the late 80s to early 90s for very like sort of high voiced baby vocal kind of stylings, um, especially in pop music, but really like culturally in general, like this kind of higher register female voice was very popular. And I always was really drawn to like, you know, the Lucinda Williamses or like the Kathleen Turners of actresses or like the, the deeper voices that are all like, I'm going to kick your ass while being really sexy. I'm like, I want that. Like those are the people. Those are my people. So that, that's definitely, you know, where I came. And then, you know, lucky me when I started singing, turns out I had a deeper voice. So, you know, that, that always gave me a nice, uh, perspective or kind of path forward where I never, because the people I admired had such unusual and like different voices than was what, what was successful or popular in the mainstream at the time. I really felt like when I started making music, I wasn't worried about what my voice was. Was it too deep? Was it, you know, not right? I was just like, no, it's a, I've got my own way of sounding and I'm not going to try to worry about sounding like somebody else. So that was definitely one of the ways that those folks inspired me. Wonderful. So if you could talk to anyone, who would it be? Mm. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, we like to make these things difficult. Yes. I mean, it is difficult. So, okay. The first person, if I could talk to anyone, the first person I would probably talk to is Dorothy Parker. I'd be like, let's sit down you can get your gin drink, I'll get my rye whiskey, and we're just going to have a hilarious time. And then, let's see, who we're going to invite to the table? Me and Dorothy Parker are hanging out. We're going to ask Patsy Cline, who I heard, I've heard some stories recently, who just was a heavy drinker and had a dirty mouth. So I'm like, all right, we're going to invite you over here for some good time. (laughs) And then I think I actually want to ask Carrie Ann Hurst from Shovels and Rope to join us. And I and then I want to hand somebody a guitar. It doesn't even matter who. Probably Dorothy Parker first, just to dare her, see what's going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, I want to see what happens with that group of ladies until 4 o'clock, like starting at 8 p.m. and going until 4 a.m. with the drinks of choice. Just see what happens. <laughs> I have a theory. It's going to be amazing, but you never know. 
Make sure there's a video camera so you've got proof that this happened. This is it. This is it. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's going to be done. Yeah. We'd like to just sit and watch. Because that sounds like... Yeah, we'll, we'll just sit in the background. Yeah. <laughs> just in the background, yeah. Don't worry about us. Don't worry about us. Like you guys can worry about recording it so that, you know... Oh, yeah, that's it. We'll just make sure the camera's okay, up there. That's good. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so if you could thank anyone for their support for your career who would it be can i thank two people yes you can thank more than one okay awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, okay so the first person i would thank is my old oh man i might have to thank three okay so the first person is my old bandmate uh pat mcmains he was the guitarist in a punk rock band called seven Cision. And back, we knew each other from back in those days. And we would, after punk rock shows, get super drunk and we would talk about forming a jazz band. And so in, let's say 2005, um, we sat down to watch Rio Bravo together. And we started singing along to the song that Dean Martin and Ricky Nelson sing to each other, My Rifle, My Pony, and Me. And we decided then and there to start a band. And I was already in one band that was kind of like a steampunky accordion-based drinking band, but this was going to be a country band, and we were like an old-school country, and we were like, we're just going to make it acoustic and old, and we're going to buy a stand-up bass, and we're just going to make it all work. So he was the person who really pushed me forward to be a vocalist in a band and to trust my own songwriting. So... I would thank him first, which I actually have recently done on the phone over text. I'm like, oh, you know. And then the second person I would thank is Carolyn Mark from up in Victoria, British Columbia. Um, we had toured together a little bit with my accordion band, Vagabondage, and um, had a great time. And then toured a bit with my other, I had another acoustic band called Feral. And then we, there was this one tour date where she was like, leave the band behind and just come with me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be on like background vocals and egg shaker. Right. I was, I was like, I'm just here to like hang out and like add some variety. I'm like, you know, we're good friends and I'm just going to be with her on her last day of the Cal her California tour before she goes to Canada. And we were playing the Epicurean connection, this great little cheese shop that was owned by uh, Shanna Davis up in um, Sonoma, California. And she, um, 10 minutes before the show is about to start, she's like, oh, so you're going to go first and do about 30 minutes. And I was all, what? And she was like, no, you're you're opening for me. You're playing now. And I was like, but I was like, I don't have a good time. What? And she was like, just use my band, which was Dennis and Joel, who are great. And they were like, we'll be your band. We know all the songs. We've been listening the whole time. And I was like, okay, guys. Oh, my God. So I had 10 minutes to pull together a set list of half an hour's worth of music, you know, that normally I sang with like two or three other people. And I was like, okay, I'm going to lead this band and I'm going to play this show. And it went great. It was terrifying, but it was wonderful. And um, it was really that show that made me decide that I was going to just start my own country band and be the front person and just like push that forward and lean in as hard as I could. Cause I think before that, you know, I would just been a little like, Oh, but it's nice to have other people and form the band all together. But what kept happening was that everybody kept moving cause the Bay area is so expensive. 
And so every time people would move, I would have to form a new band and rename it because I don't believe in, I don't personally believe in forming a band with people, naming a band, and then they leave and you keep the name. I'm like, that seems crappy, right? Like we founded this together. Like if it's not us, then it's not this band. And so I made a band that had my own name in it. So I didn't have to keep renaming it all the time. And uh, it was really that show with Carolyn up in Sonoma that, that made the secret MC society happen. And, uh, and since then she's been unbelievably supportive of like, you know, helping me, um, book shows all over the country, have places to crash when I was on tour, like her network of friends and other musicians is amazing. And her music is so good that I'm just constantly inspired by her and her friendship. So she's the second person for sure. We have to thank her for what we've got now. Huh? <laughs> I said, we have to thank her for, what, oh. for what's uh, being produced now. Shucks. Yes. <laughs> you should listen to her albums too though because if you like mine you'll love hers like they're in the same wheelhouse for sure oh okay perfect here we go apple music here i come <laughs> download that <download. laughs> exactly okay so we're going to have a bit of fun now this is the quick fire questions okay, okay. i have to answer them fast right so that my subconscious makes me super honest i'm good We've, we've had some amazing answers to these questions. They're fantastic. So, yeah, first thing that comes to mind, answer the questions. Okay. Okay. So, you're ready for this? Okay. Good sure. Question. Okay. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Beach or countryside? Beach. Favorite season? Fall. Biggest fear? Dying before I get it all done. Okay. Favorite holiday? Halloween. Favorite drink? Rhubarb whiskey. Rhubarb whiskey. Yeah, I'll give you. I'll tell you what it is. Yeah, it's really good. Amazing. You want to hear about it now or after the quick fire? I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt the flow. No, we can't. Right. Good. Okay. So when um, Pat, who I mentioned, when we formed Rhubarb Whiskey, we were like, well, we can't make a band called this without making the cocktail. So a rhubarb whiskey is you take, because I also come from a family that makes rhubarb pie, not strawberry mm -hmm. rhubarb pie, but rhubarb pie. Mm -hmm. It's better. It's delicious. Anyway, I have a thing about that. But so <laughs> uh, you take rhubarb, you make rhubarb simple syrup, you know, by just making simple syrup and putting fresh chopped rhubarb in it and you know, let it simmer for like 20, 30 minutes so that it stays liquidy and not mushy, but you know, it's good rhubarb flavor in the simple syrup. And then you take American rye whiskey, not Canadian rye, because that tastes a little more scotchy, you know, but so uh, an American, Southern American rye bourbon, and you do two parts uh, rye over ice to one part rhubarb simple syrup, and then you have a rhubarb whiskey. And they are dangerous as Hell, they're so good. <laughs> but it is. It We're is gonna have a drink recipe on our website. Thanks to you now. Yeah, we should. Yeah, recipe. <laughs> I, ha I have the recipe online on the rhubarb whiskey site. I can send you the link. You can just grab it. But yeah, <laughs> we can put that on the website as well. <laughs> yeah, we'll be, we'll be getting our fans drunk on the <laughs> rhubarb whiskey. I'm here to help. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, mm. so. If you're a musical, what musical would you be? Fame. 
uh, if you were a film, what film would you be? Oh, uh, mm, that's so hard. Uh, I'm a bit of a film nerd, so hold on. Uh, okay, the first one that came to mind was Rio Bravo, probably because I just said it recently, so I'm just going to say Rio Bravo, because that's the point of quick fire. Okay. If you could be a Disney character, what Disney character would you be? You know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be Thumbelina. That's a different one, Thumbelina. I know. That's cool. If you could be a mythical creature, what creature would you be? I would be a Pegasus. If you had a superpower, what superpower would you want to have and why? I, whoa, do, 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 do. okay, the first thing that came to mind was flying. I think the Pegasus thing is influencing me, but we're just going to keep going with it. Perfect. <laughs> okay, now this is the most important question. Ever. All right, I'm ready. Okay. okay. Who is your favorite CWC host? I think it's you guys. <laughs> I love it. Both. I'm not deciding. Okay. <laughs> I, want refuse, to I, I refuse to incriminate myself. <laughs> good job, good job. That's so not fair. No one's going to win this competition. It's super fair. Okay, here's the deal. When we can get drunk in person, ask me that at 1 o'clock in the morning. I'll tell you. Now that is... Okay. I need more information. I need some research before I can decide. Okay, well, I used to be a bartender, so I'm pretty good sure that uh, I got the bartending part down. That's so not fair. That's so not fair. <laughs> so, so I can't even compete with the bartender. I'm a Jack Dinker. How about that? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's so not fair. <laughs> I love it. I love it. She's cheating you by being a bartender. That's <laughs> not fair. Awesome. And, and there's me thinking the English accent would win over every time, but it's just not working. It's not working. Seriously. You know, the last time I was in England, I ended up um, accidentally having dinner with this um, Irishman who was sitting next to me. And we were just both at a restaurant in London's gay district, and we just started talking because we were both eating by ourselves. And he told me that my American accent was so harsh that it could break bricks in an alley. <laughs> and I was like... Yeah, come on. We were not. We were having a good time. Oh, he was super drunk, yeah. He's Irish. Of course he's drunk. You want to go drinking with everybody. Drink with the Irish, because I swear, they know how to... The Irish and the Scottish know how to put that alcohol away. Well, the the funny part of it was is that we then made friends, and he took me to a gay bar around the corner, because he was like, oh, I'll take you to a drag show, because his date hadn't shown up. Mm -hmm. And then... The drag queen was sick, so we, there was no drag show, but then his date showed up at that bar, so they left, and then I got adopted by this straight Irish family whose patriarch had never met an American before, and it was my last night in London, and they were like, our dad needs to, you know, meet, needs to hang out with an American because he's never met one, so we're buying your drinks all night, and then they took me on a pub crawl of, like, downtown oh London God. until 3 o'clock in the morning, and I, like, stumbled back in my time, like, I gotta get on a plane at 6. But it was really sweet, because they also, like, some of the sons kept disappearing to go, and they would come back from, like, with the, from the tourist shops with little magnets for me of London. <laughs> they were like, you're about to leave, here's a magnet. Like, the drunker they got, the funnier the magnets got. <laughs> but, yeah, oh, there was so much Jameson, and I was like, 
Right. This is what it is. My life in London. It's really funny. You, you go to England to do brain I love it. It's so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> I must admit, uh, um, I suppose it depends on, did you get, was it Soho you were in? in I think London? so. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's quite a good, it's, it's uh, a good area because everybody's quite close and, you know, it's quite a funny area. So it's quite cool. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so uh, next time, next time I'm in the States, we've got a major drinking party up. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I've got a good backyard for drinking, but also I know a lot of bars, assuming that everything is open by then. So it's not planning. Awesome. We've got planning to do. <laughs> it will be. That would be amazing. That really would. I love your mug. Your skull and crossbow. Thank you. This mug came to me from my friend Jay Bird McLaughlin, who is the lead singer of the band Hearse up in Victoria, British Columbia, and oh. we were at her lake cabin, and she and I was in love with it, and I'd been up there like three years in a row to play a music festival, and we always went to the cabin, and then we played the music festival, and I was like, I love your mug, and she was like, you need to take it home, it needs to because <laughs> I was so into it, so it it's so broken a few times now, and it's, my friend repaired it, because I was like, no, it's my, it is my favorite mug, and I'm, I'm, my wife and I are both really big nerds for mugs, so um, I'm always like, I love that mug, I love that mug, so yeah, <laughs> I, I'm a really big nerd for mugs, but thank it's, you. We know, how to, we know how to bribe Cindy now, send the mugs, yeah, have a mug, have a mug. <laughs> mugs and rye whiskey, and I'm all like, I'm good, yeah, that's my writer right there. <laughs> Just give them both at the same time. You've got the mug to drink it out, I think. Preferably, yeah, because then it's harder to break them when you drink too much of the other. Yeah, and I could send you fresh rhubarb, but I don't live in Pennsylvania anymore, so sorry. No, <laughs> okay. I've got some growing in the backyard. Well prepared. Yeah. Well stocked. Always. I love that. It's just great. It's great. Oh. <laughs> I must admit, you talking about rhubarb when you make rhubarb pie. Um, in England, we have rhubarb crumble, which is mm-hmm. slightly different. I love rhubarb crumble. As long as it's sweet, I have to yeah. say, I have a terrible, terrible, if it's made and it's sour, I, I can't take it, I can't take it. But as long as it's sweet and it's made well, I yeah. love rhubarb crumble. I mean, I what I've found with rhubarb is that as long as you pair it, if you, and if you want to pair it with another fruit, I feel like it works really well if you pair it with another tart fruit and then just make sure that your filling or your custardiness is sweet is important. But like yeah. cherries goes really well, blackberries go really well. I'm just not a fan of it with strawberries because I feel like the strawberries really just bulldoze right over the rhubarb flavor. And it's like, well, I like strawberries on their own. But I, if I'm eating rhubarb, I want it to fucking taste like rhubarb. And I get kind of mad when it doesn't. like, <laughs> It's hard enough to find rhubarb. Don't hide it under fucking strawberries. Jesus. I get really upset. I have a lot of feelings about it. I love it. I love it. Don't get me drunk and get me talking about strawberries and rhubarb because I'll go on for way too long. I just won't stop. We we a full show of strawberry and rhubarb. Yeah. We can have the the big debate. Strawberries or rhubarb. (laughs) The big debate. Which is going to win? That would be great. That would be fantastic. Great on their own, but mutually exclusive. (laughs) They do not date. (laughs) They are separate. You stay separate. That's it, yeah. That's it. 
that. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I love that. I've never seen anyone so passionate about a fruit in my life. Yeah. <laughs> actually, is, is rhubarb actually a fruit? Uh, no, I believe it's in the celery family. Yeah, there you go. See, I did get it wrong. I knew you got it wrong. I corrected myself quite quickly. Quite a U-turn. <laughs> is it a fruit? I think. I'm just like I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's fantastic. That's fantastic. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So, what else have you got planned for the rest of 2020? Well, 2020, actually, so what else do I have planned? I just got married last week, so after 23 Congratulations. years, I did not. Thank you. Um, so, that, that was super exciting. And right now, I just actually this is fun. This is great music news. I just signed with a record label last month, um, so hey. I'm on uh, Broken Clover Records out of San Francisco, which they're an amazing boutique label that's all about kind of uh, fostering like the old school way it kind of used to be with like musical community, like you know sharing music because we actually like the music and not because of the business aspect of it, and trying to promote artists that they really believe in that they want to treat like family. So I'm. I'm super into it. <clears throat> and because of that, we had a conversation. So my next record is going to come out in September of 2021, which is super exciting, which means I had to get my shit together. So uh, I've cut demos for all the new songs. I've played a couple of them, a couple of the new songs on some of the live streams I've done, and they've been pretty well received, which is exciting since they're in their most raw form right now. And I'm in conversations with my producer, same producer I use for my other two studio records, uh, Mr. Tolan McNeil. And we are making a plan for how to potentially do it all virtually because they're up in uh, Tolan and the bandmates I'm going to use for this record because my bandmates change depending on what region I'm in usually. Um, they're in Canada and Canada will not currently let me in, nor am I traveling because of the pandemic. So we're figuring out how to keep it as live as we can, but also do it virtually. So that's going to be an experience. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah, we're setting up, we're actually meeting next week to set up timelines and like target dates in the months and like, you know, like what month are we going to have like the final arrangements done? And then when are they going to lay down the beds? And then when are they going to send them to me to put the final vocals and not the scratch vocals on it and all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty exciting. I'm like, like it's a whole new world, but also I'm super jazzed about it. So that's kind of, that's the biggest thing like that. And then the, um, the weekly shows with Carolyn on Sundays are really where I'm putting a lot of my attention. There's a few other live streams that are coming up, but nothing's confirmed yet. So, but Sundays at 420, the best that, you know, the world has to offer in terms of a uh, Americana music. Perfect. Perfect. So when you stay with Gimme Country or was that? Yeah, no, I'm staying. I'm going to be with Gimme Country uh, indefinitely. I took a bit of a break in, um, it's funny, this has been the year, and I think this is true for a lot of people, of like taking breaks for self-care. So I used to be the editor-in-chief of countryqueer.com, the queer music magazine, online magazine. And when the album was coming out, I was like, I need to take a step back because I need to focus on my own record, not, you know, writing about other people's, which was... Uh, it's a shame because I actually really like that work, but I was like, it's just, I've got too much on my plate. 
And so they've kind of taken off and gone in like a different staffing direction and they're doing really wonderfully. So I'm super happy for them. And then I kept Gimme Country through all that. And then in August, no, sorry, September and October, I took a break from my show on Gimme Country between like the signing with the new label and the marriage coming up and all this, like, and just the kind of the pandemic honestly was starting to get to me. And I was like, I need to go internal for a bit. And so I took a break, but new shows are going to start back up in November. And it was cool because I took a break also to be like, am I still enjoying this? Like, am I still doing this for the right reasons? Like to share the music are other people kind of doing the same work that I'm doing and putting this music out there. Like, am I still needed? Is this still important? And um, what I realized from the break, and I've done DJing stuff since I was, you know, at university a million years ago, and I've always enjoyed it. And I was like, you know what? I really miss it. And so um, I've been keeping a list of, like, new bands and singles and, like, independent artists that have had new music come out and then, like, rediscovering old stuff. And I've been cut lists, man. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to uh, to the show coming back and, it's got Gimme Country has such a great community of fans that always are in the chat discussing music and what they think of everything and, mm. you know, really kind of creating a little family in there. And I actually have been tuning into my reruns because I miss them. I'm all like, hey, how's it going? You know, so I'm excited to be back with new stuff for everybody. That'd be cool. <clears throat> yeah, we're looking to having you back. You can oh, tell us good it's got dark here, my yeah. life disappeared. <laughs> I'm slowly disappearing to the background here because I haven't turned the light on, so... Yeah. I was like, it's going dark, oh, are she doing a Halloween special without me? I am, I am. <laughs> I'm just going to disappear and that'll be me going... I need to get... I forgot to turn the light on when I sat here because it was so bright when I first sat down. I was like, oh, right. It's just getting darker and darker. I'm just going to disappear into the table and that'll be it. <laughs> Thanks for joining our Halloween special. As I said, my favorite holiday was Halloween. I know. There you go. See, you should dress up. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Well, this has been absolutely amazing. It's been absolutely fantastic to meet you soon. Fun. Yeah, it was wonderful to meet you both virtually and. Can't wait till we can do it in person. And yeah, this has been really fun. That'd be amazing. That would be amazing. <laughs> I will point out that I have Burt Reynolds as my little um, mascot for our podcast too. I was days. actually sitting there trying to figure out who he was. <laughs> he's that. my he's my good luck mascot. <laughs> I think he's I need to get a mascot too now. <laughs> well, I was getting a. I was looking. For, I was actually looking for one of those. The they're the Funko dolls, and I was looking for a drag queen one for a friend of mine for his birthday. And I came across the Burt Reynolds ones while I was looking for his, and I was all, oh, I, didn't, I didn't know that was there, <laughs> so I had to get myself a present too. <laughs> just sneak it in the bag. Nobody will know. I know. Just a, little, just a little treat. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Cindy. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Anytime. Perfect. Okay. Perfect.